Welcome to the Band-Aid. I think that's what I'm calling it. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking about calling it. I kind of just popped out this podcast slash YouTube channel without even really giving too much thought to the name. But I like the Band-Aid because we just keep band-aiding stuff over all these healthcare issues and pretending like it's just a boo-boo. When in reality, it's like this existential threat to our economy and lives as we know. So (laughs) there's a little tongue-in-cheek action there. Um, Zach Slaybaugh, I really wanted to talk to you. And ironically... I had a conversation yesterday with the CFO. We were having lunch and we were discussing some ideas that would make sense for them to potentially implement. And one of his questions to me was, how on earth will you ed- will we educate um, the employees on all this? And then I thought, I'm talking to Zach tomorrow. So that's perfect. Zach, who are you? Who do you work for? What's y'all story? Give us a 10,000 foot view. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot. So, uh, you know, I give you my quick background too. So I've, I've been in this space and I think this will help kind of back into how I got here and what I'm doing now, but I've been in this space, uh, in the, really the employee benefit space for, for just about six years now. Uh, it was my first, I would call it my quote unquote real job out of college, but it, it's, uh, something that I've enjoyed a long time, but I started in with, with a, uh, benefit administration company that really was focused on self-service and I was focused really specifically uh, there within within the voluntary benefit space. But what I learned really quickly is is working with all of these really large clients, working with these clients who have very complex populations, demographics, who, ha- who might have at this point five generations in the workforce, right? Actually engaging and educating their, their employees has always been a challenge. And, and then that was further illustrated on numerous times where I would go on site with a client who I worked with their corporate office in, let's say, a big city like New York, but they have mm-hmm. retail or they have manufacturing locations in you know the middle of North Carolina or the middle of Virginia. And so those populations are very, very different as far as what both roles and responsibilities, but just also you know, geographical locations. And, and being there, I, I was constantly overwhelmed by just the, the big miss, I'll call it, in just education and employees who didn't understand you know, what a high deductible health plan was or didn't understand their HSA or who quite frankly had an incredible HSA match, but weren't contributing to their HSA because they didn't know what it was. Right. And so I, I, I constantly sit there and I was, I was, I would come home from these, these onsite sessions and, and go back to my internal team and say, Hey, what can we do to actually educate these folks? Because there's a huge opportunity here. And, and then, you know, Fast forward 18 months and, you know, where I'm at now, which I'm with a large company called Alight, but I work with, uh, you know, I'm a regional sales director within one of their divisions, Alight Benefits Guidance, which quite frankly is is one-to-one counselor-led enrollment that's 100% focused on delivering a white glove experience that's entirely customized to the employer, right? And so I, I... got this opportunity to come over and, and really work with these large clients and work with really any client who to the, you know, the point that you're, you're, uh, you know, the gentleman you met with yesterday goes, how the heck do we, we, we communicate this to all of our employees? You know, that's what we do, right? Is, is I work with HR departments. I work with HR leaders. I work with CFOs, CHROs and say, okay, what are the, what are the same questions? You know, what are the same 10 questions that you hear on a day-to-day basis that you wish that you could just can and clone yourself and answer, right? If you could sit with every employee for 30 minutes this year during annual enrollment, what would you want to communicate to them, right? Like 
those specific pieces. And then we work to build out a very customized engagement plan for that. So that's a lot, but but I hope that that understands. Like it came to that, I came to this space in a. It was very interesting to get creative from a a voluntary benefit to after being in that and having a chance to actually connect with the folks that were connect, you know, that I'm dealing with on a day to day basis outside of HR. I, I became fascinated with how can we actually educate and inform employees uh, and help them make the right decisions, right? So. You know, was it 4% of Americans can define what co-insurance or co-pay or what their deductible is? 4%. And that's really frightening when when you think about it from a sense that that is, that includes everybody in the industry. So that's us. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> right? and, and so, that's... So, yeah. Well, and to, and to piggyback a little bit on what you said. So one of the other things the CFO told me is he had to actually explain to his CEO the tax advantages of, of an HSA. So it's it's not it's not even a white collar versus yeah. blue collar thing. It's just an information thing. Nope. Or I'll give you another example. Uh, one of our mutual friends, um, smart guy, had me look over his benefits. This guy has a law degree and an MBA. Okay, so this is not a dumb person. But, you know, I had to walk him through deductible, max out of pocket, you know, copay, all these things. And he had a, he had a rudimentary understanding of it, but like just clarifying some things around it. So it's, it, it, I think, I think folks like you and I can get, it it can fall in the trap of utilizing industry lingo and then just pretending like everybody should know what what it's supposed to mean. You're, you're spot on. I mean, well, if you think about it, what do we talk about all day? Right. And so for us, it's, it's secondhand knowledge. Whereas, and for most benefit directors or people in HR, that's what they live. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it is, it is a very easy trap to fall into, for sure. For sure. Well, let me, let me ask you, you this. Seeing... So it's... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go no, ahead. Go ahead. All right. So I, I was going to say one of the things that I, when I talk to HR folks, is one of the questions I ask them is like, "Hey, look, I want to get you an hour of your day back. That's that's the gold standard. If I can help you somehow get an hour of your day back, that would be ideal. W- what would that look like? And you know, then you just kind of everybody's situation is unique, so you just let them run with that. Because different folks have different, you know, different organizations just have different structures, job descriptions, et cetera. But what are you seeing um, on your end helping out uh, on the implementation side of this? Like what is really the, the, you know, the golden goose to, to the HR department that just keeps paying dividends if, when, when they work with somebody like you, when they implement a platform such as y'all's? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, it, there's a couple things, uh, you know, and, and I think one is to your point it's giving them that time back right and i think it's alleviating some of that stress you know it's interesting with what i do i'm I'm, you know our organization's primary focus is employee total well-being and so that goes from you know initial onboarding engaging from the, the initial onset of their employment through their benefit life cycle right uh retirement kind of we have we have whole team that focuses on retirement accounts really through benefit utilization, right? Kind of past that kind of the, the choose to use that whole, whole functionality. And, and we have a big portion of, of our, our really our internal focus on, on just benefit administration, that, that Ben admin platform. And the reason I'm giving that background is, is there's a huge focus as to your, to your real question is a lot. So many organizations have gone from 
having a pretty robust human resources team or a benefits team to that being the unfortunate, uh, you know, kind of they've been put on the chopping, chopping block in a lot of part and a lot of reasons, unfortunately. And those teams have, have continually got smaller. So people are wearing multiple hats. And so to that question, I think, you know, where we kind of the golden goose, if you, if you, if you're asking me is, is the ability to really take over and augment some of the functions that they're already doing right from a, from a, maybe it's, Maybe it's helping them with their onboarding. Most organizations in their own world just really struggle with employee onboarding, right? Um, and that could be from a benefit standpoint. It could be maybe they're using uh, a specific, you know, benefit enrollment or a benefit administration platform, but their employees are, aren't learning how to use it or they don't know how to, how to go. Something as simple as don't know how to go in and file and, and fill out their time off sheet, right? Or fill out their time sheet. And so it's being able to augment some of those functions and give those employee, you know, that HR team some time back. And then I think the other thing, more importantly, is just delivering something consistently. And we see, I see it with with organizations at the size of seven hundred employees. I see it at the at the size of seventy thousand. Is it doesn't matter if they have one or two locations or, or five thousand locations. There is still a a challenge with consistently delivering the same message to an employee. Um, and I actually just did a webinar on this yesterday where the employees, most employees, number one focus is, Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll ask questions and I'm, I'm interested, but I'll only want to do that if it's going to be personal to my situation. And an HR mm. person just doesn't have the ability to most, most of them. I think they are incredibly, incredibly, incredible people. But they, I think it's hard in that point when you're running 100 miles an hour and wearing multiple hats to. to yeah, it's a bandwidth issue. It's, yeah, yeah. It, it, there's just not enough time in a day, and and yeah. you know it blows my mind how often I'll have conversations with smaller companies, but not small. Like let's say like 750 employees or 800 employees or something like that. And the the person in charge of benefits is like, yeah, I mean, I get questions all the time about you know which doctor should I go to or. Yeah. Tell me about this plan. And I'm sitting here like, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> There's 800 people in this company. Why are, why are you in charge of, like, what's, what's the disconnect here that's causing you to be in charge of answering personal questions to 800 people? <laughs> yeah. like, this, is, this is not an 80 people operation. This is a yeah. legitimately, you know, this company ain't going nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. so it's just interesting creating that conversation piece because one of the things that frustrates me about this industry is to a large degree we're basically doing business the same way we were doing it in 1971 yeah and that drives me insane you know how much the world has changed since the 1970s why are we pretending like the the benefits insurance world is magically you know immune to that change i mean for the love of everything you're in michigan i'm in tennessee we're having this conversation right now recording and we're putting it out to the world like that's it's kind of incredible why aren't we utilizing technology and the efficiencies that technology creates to alleviate a lot of those issues? Um, and I, I think that's where y'all's platform, especially like the the white glove concierge like concept behind it, is really cool. And I'd, I'd love for you to elaborate a little bit more on on the actual technicalities of how y'all's program works. Yeah, yeah, happy to. You know, I, I think it's it's really easy to start, and I start every conversation. I already previously mentioned this, but I, I literally start every conversation as, as we begin that, that kind of 
outlining scope process with, with someone and say, you know, if you could spend 30 minutes with every single one of your employees this year, what would you want to communicate to them? Mm. Because, you know, what I find out is, is nine times out of 10, while a large portion of that is going to be somewhat benefit related, there's going to be a big component that's not. And, mm. and that could be DE and I initiatives. It could be, uh, you know, hey, we're, we're, you could be, uh, maybe there's a big, it, it could be something along the lines of uh, tuition reimbursement. It could be something along the lines of what they're doing from a retirement or financial standpoint, some of the additional resources they have. And, and so, you know, I think starting there and building out is, is where we, we really specialize. And then the ability, because we've been doing this, you know, our organization has been doing this for coming up on 16 years. We've done, I think at this point, over 2 million one-to-one sessions. And, and so if you think about the backbone, we've kept our team for the most part, specifically our implementation team and our, our account management teams largely intact over that period. There's just so much experience that we know, hey, we un- we've understand that, that laws have changed, benefits have changed in the last, I mean, they change every, what feels like every 12 months, but they, you know, we, we have all that experience. And so let's build out a specific agenda that actually makes sense. And, and so working with those organizations, it's amazing how, you know, there, I had a, a CHRO I was having a conversation with last month tell me, he goes, you know, he's like, I get asked the same six questions every year during our benefit fairs, the same six. And he goes, and he's like, this year we did webinars. We did, we sent, we sent out communication. We literally mailed communicate information to people's homes. We had emails, we had postcards, we had posters that we put in the break rooms. He's like, we literally did everything. And a lot, like, he's like, one of our posters was an FAQ, which were those same six questions answered. And right. He's like, I did everything that I thought I could do to proactively cover that. Yeah. And he goes, and you know what happened this year during our, our, our enrollment? He goes, I got those same darn 10 or six questions again. Right. And he goes, so how do I, he goes, how, how can you help me do that? Right. And, and so I think what I've learned is employees listen to an extent, but it's just, we all know how people open mail, right? I guess mail Mm -hmm. in some, in some regards. Now there is some, some, uh, interesting when you actually do get some mail because it is now mostly just, uh, sales doc sales stuff that comes, but, but so there is some, some interest there, but what it is, is most employees, they look at it and they go, this is general. I don't understand it. And it doesn't fit my situation. And so what we're doing is we're taking a counselor who has on average 30 years experience in the industry. So these are people, you know, you have to like you and I who've been in the space, who, who maybe have worked in HR or have worked, you know, for a, for a benefit company, maybe they've worked in the medical space who just have a wealth of knowledge and don't want to quite retire, who want to give that back. And it's those people who are meeting with employees. And, you know, I, I, there's this really interesting stat I learned last week as I was preparing for the webinar I just gave, and it was it's, it's 76% of Americans. So basically a little over three quarters of Americans would be willing to give personal, personal information if they would receive uh, personalized health guidance, three and four. And that's crazy if you think about, hey, yeah, actually there's some things that maybe I wouldn't typically share. Right. Maybe yeah. it's maybe I'm diabetic or maybe I have some family issues or, or what have you. And so 
it's just fascinating that, that we're building that out. We're helping those employees, you know, we're, we're working with HR to define what that looks like. And then having our counselors who have this wealth of experience actually personally talk through that employee, employee situation. Well, it, it's so crazy because, you know, I'm sitting here helping our friend, um, look through these benefits and again, an intelligent person, educated person, but I'm over here like making a spreadsheet for him on yeah. his different options. And, um, because it's confusing, it's, it's not <laughs> look, it's not self-explanatory. None of it is as much as we like to think it is. It's not, there's a required human touch with it. Now I'll gladly do that for my friend, but I'm not going like, to, like, I'm not just going to offer this casually in the middle of the street and be like, Hey, free benefit guidance. Like that's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, well, can, um, I, can so, I add a thought real quick? If, I don't mean to interrupt your stream of thought, oh, go ahead. But, you know, having, having worked at multiple, you know, at this point, multiple Ben admin companies and having worked, there's this huge focus to what you just point. There's a human element that needs to be there. There's mm-hmm. been this huge focus and push the last few years about creating really, you know, really personalized decision support tools, right? Mm. Input. How many times did you go to the doctor last year? How many, you know, what is your yeah. prescription cost, et cetera. And then that AI, right, is generating some sort of recommendation. And while those aren't, there, there's nothing wrong with that. Actually, there, there's, there is some value there. All of that's doing is it's just taking the decision point out of it without the education. And so you run into the same problem when somebody who's been on a PPO for their entire life gets recommended yes. a high deductible and they go to the, do- the doctor the first time and they're like, oh, I thought I just had a $20 copay. Like, yep. what happened? Like, there's no yep. change. And so the con- actual consumption of benefits in a situation like that, they actually just stop using their benefits, which is even a worst case scenario, right? If, especially if you're thinking on, on some of these employers who are worried about, about healthcare spend, right? Because there's you stop being proactive. And I don't mean, I didn't mean to, to interrupt your thought, but that's something that has long bothered me is let's just make the decision support process easy. Well, that's great. But if they don't actually learn anything and they don't know how to use it, then what's the point, right? It's, it's maybe cheaper for the employer. That's great. Like I'm all about helping employers save money on the bottom line. I think that's important, but if your employees then don't use or consume their, their benefits properly, then you're kind of right back at square one. Well, and if your employees don't use and consume their benefits properly, they, a lot of employees, especially the employees who are, uh, in the lower income percentiles, um, they'll eventually just go rogue. They'll just stop enrolling. And then you'll end up with adverse selection, which is to me, just the most ridiculous problem in insurance. I think that's so, I think that's just so avoidable, but um, yeah, it's, it, it's the education piece. It's helping them understand. It's helping them wrap their head around. Okay. You know, I don't have this, I don't have this copay anymore. Now I've got this deductible, but I've got an HSA and the company's contributing some to it or, or whatever it may be. It, it could be a million different things. That's just a very common example as there's been a move to high deductible plans. Um, but, the, it, but people forget the entire purpose of high deductible plans when high deductible plans were first introduced. It was basically touted as this savior of the medical uh, of the medical insurance industry because you know anybody with half a brain cell can see that that the rising cost is unsustainable. So so the high deductible plans were touted as the savior because it was going to turn the employee 
into a consumer. The problem is that the employee didn't understand and was not told that they were supposed to become a consumer. <laughs> okay. There are some assumptions made without the actual explanation on the back end. Now I'm, sp- I'm generalizing here, but that, yeah. that's the essential problem. Um, you know, cause people now I understand why that problem was created. Cause you know, on the, on an old school PPO plan, you know, people would go to the emergency room for a hangnail. <laughs> you don't want that either. So, so I think that's where services like, like what you're offering through a light is, is so powerful, especially, especially when you just address the elephant in the room, you're not free. Okay. It costs money to hire you and your team, mm-hmm. but man, oh man, how much does it cost your organization to turn over an employee yeah. when they leave? Okay. Yeah. I can make that argument real quick from a cost benefit standpoint that paying for a service such as yours is going to pay multiple dividends just on, if nothing else, the opportunity, I'm not even talking about the money, just the opportunity cost of lost time of turning over an employee. Forget the actual cost of turning over the employee. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's so funny. Take out, take to your point about opportunity cost. We, we have an organization, it's a manufacturing organization that we work with and we, all that they came to us and they said, Hey, we need help consistently onboarding people, right? We have high turnover, it's part mm-hmm. for that part for course of that industry in its own right, but we have a little yep. bit abnormally high turnover. Can you create a consistent message? Take it over for us, right? Every time somebody goes through orientation, they, they're going to meet with one of your counselors. It's a mandatory way. They elect medical mm-hmm. or not, that's fine because we're educating them on other things, right? Yes. Organizational pieces. So it all makes sense. And we did after the first year, in addition to all the turnover, we reduced their turnover. We, we I think we we helped also there was some focus on helping those employees enroll in a high deductible that made sense for the situation, et cetera. We did all that. We saved them over a hundred grand in just cost of paper because <laughs> they stopped having to print everything. Right. Yeah. And so it's 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 funny how there's all of these hidden costs that organizations spend when the reality is is there's there's ways to augment that and, and take that off someone's plate and do it in a way that that can can, can deliver a message consistently over and over again, that's different, right? Because how many employees to your, to your earlier point, how many employees like they're consumers in every other thing that they do really accept benefits, right? We, I know, I can't tell you how many people will spend three hours on their iPhone searching for the best deal and the best idea, right? What's the, what's the best product in a certain space? And then they'll do all of the research, but they'll spend eight minutes on their benefits and then not understand it. Right. I think, uh, I'm full of stats today, but 20, was it 25, one in four people would rather go to the dentist than go through open enrollment. Like, right. That's scary. And so when you think about that, right, it's, it's because like, there's all of these acronyms, there's all of these, these, these things we'll call them that most people have just never had to deal with. And when something's complicated, our natural, our natural aversion is to just run the other way. Right. And it'll all work out and we'll figure it out. And, and so it's fascinating when you can actually spend to your point, engage an employee and actually educate them. Like, no, this is how your plan works. Did you know that your employer is, is your employer or your core life, your employer is paying three times salary. That's incredible. Right. Most, most employers only pay one times life, one times your salary. I mean, and and so it's those pieces, right. That most people just don't take the time to ever understand because they never really use them. And then they'll leave for a job 
or they'll start looking for a job and go across the street for 25 cents more an hour when they're losing all of these other benefits, they just didn't know that they had. And so that's yes. what we, that's what we key in on is where are your differentiators? Where do you think that you are? Most organizations have great benefit plans. They've taken the time. And at this point, they've, they've been really proactive with that. So how do we take and maximize and communicate that? Um, but, but yeah, absolutely. How much can you customize um, their enrollment experience with you guys with with an organization? Like, depending on how they've designed plans, what you know, how their networks work, how maybe they're incentivizing people to go to specific doctors, et cetera. How much customization is available through y'all for what a company it wants to do when it when it comes to enrolling and and just educational piece in general? Yeah. I would say we can be really, really, really creative and flexible in that regard. Um, and I'll give you an example if that helps. Um, you know, I, I, we have a, a client that has five different big benefit classes, right? So they're about 3,000 lives in total, um, about 2,500 enrolled on their medical. But they have, they have five, yeah, I think it's five, five big benefit classes. Um, all are offered. One of, one of them is a union population. One of them is a separate population that was just acquired that has entirely different benefits. Uh, one's an executive class, and then the two are different pay, pay types, which then have a different uh, a, a different uh, core core life, core disability, uh, slightly different uh, PPO plan. That's five plans right there, right? That's five big pieces, and that's something that we do. That's that I would consider that normal in that regard. So I, I think we can get really creative and flexible. And I think too, there's a lot of organizations that as I'm seeing more and more employers work out a way to create some sort of, of on-site clinic or alignment or partnership with a local clinic if they have a couple of key locations to create some sort of, of residual program, right? Where there's some basically a form of an on-site clinic. And and so yeah, we can we can I mean, literally, we we create and craft that message to be what would, what that employer would want to communicate. Mm. Okay, so a lot of customization. A lot, yeah. Now, with that also comes there's there's a certain amount of scale that has to be in place with an employer for you guys to really be relevant. I mean, a twenty five man group is is not really a candidate for your services. It's it's more so in the you know, at least probably four or 500 lives up to, like you said, 70, hundred thousand or whatever, maybe yeah. just because the, the scale is required for, for such in-depth services such as yours. That's correct. Yeah. I, I, it's, we generally, generally most of our work is done uh, on the small end. It, it starts at about 750 lives and above. Um, but, you know, I realized too, you know, there's, we have a couple clients this year that are in that four or 500 life that said, you know what, we know that there's a fee. We just, it's, we've made so many changes and we're so worried about communicating those effectively that that expense for one year is worth it to make sure that everyone understands because we're going to make that up hand over fist 10 times over the next few years based on what we're saving because we're effectively communicating that. Yeah. Yeah. How, what is the mechanism in place for um, essentially like feedback on how you guys are doing, like, how do you get feedback to know how to adjust, maybe call an audible, 
you know, yeah. what, what, and what does that commu- communication looks, look like between the benefits department to C-suite and you guys? Yeah. Great question. So we, we actually work with them with, with an HR department or with a, a client to build out a really a specific, what are, what are five to six questions that you want employees to answer? They're yes, no questions, but a lot of times it, we can tailor, we tailor that specifically to what the client's asking. And then what we're doing is our, because our counselors are specific to our organization, right? And they only work one mm-hmm. case at a time. So they're trained and educated specifically on, you know, one project on that client's benefits. They're, as they're going through, if they're seeing trends, they're making note of that and passing that back to our internal leadership. And then mm-hmm. we're reviewing those survey responses on almost a daily basis and, and in contact with that HR team on two, three, four times a week, right? So we can, as we go in through and we're saying, hey, we're seeing a trend in this location or hey, we're seeing that our survey, uh, our survey responses are really, really, really high or maybe they're really, really low and did you look at your benefit guide before you met with a counselor, right? Now we know we can kind of call an audible and adjust on the fly. So, yeah. so just to clarify, and I think this is an important point, the counselors that are assigned to let's just call it company X. Yeah. They are exclusively working on company X's situation. They're not overlapping with company B and Z or whatever. Like they are focused on that one case until that case is done. Correct. That's huge. Um, because that's where, in my opinion, the white glove experience comes into play. Yeah, I agree. I mean, at that point there, it's a true extension of HR. Yeah. Right? Like I, I've joked, but we, we've, and often in a lot of cases, we've canned and cloned those people in HR to an extent mm-hmm. where they can, for the most part, there's still work to be done, but they can go focus on their other key priorities and let us handle the day-to-day portion of an annual enrollment or the day-to-day component of onboarding new hires. Yeah. So that golden goose, let, we, we can give them back an hour or two a day where they can actually go focus and be creative and proactive as opposed to being reactive to every fire that pops up. Right. So let me give, let me give you an objection real quick. Um, we don't want an enrollment team helping us, uh, because we don't want people coming in and upselling our employees on additional benefits or whatever it may be. Yeah, that's a great, great. I I hear that a lot, you know, and the, the sad part of, and the kind of the, the actual reality of, of this industry is there's a lot of organizations from an enrollment support standpoint who are built on that, right? Mm-hmm. And are built on, or they really only want to enroll just voluntary benefits, those traditional voluntary benefits. And so that is what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that there's a stain there. One thing that we've done to combat that is all of our counselors are salaried, which I think mm-hmm. is a big deal, right? So, so they're paid a salary. They're not, it, there's no bonus comp or, or anything aligned to specific enrollment in a product. I just, incentivization wise, that leads to, if you start incentivizing people, people work towards whatever their comp plans are, right? That applies to whoever. And so we incentivize them instead. Uh, they're paid bonuses, but those bonuses are paid, paid based on positive employee survey results. Mm. And so if you think of those questions that we're creating, one of those, for example, is would you hire, if you owned a customer service company, would you hire the benefit counselor that you just met with? So I think that's a really telling question, 
right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a very simple yes or no. If I own a customer service company, yes, I would, or no, I wouldn't. And, and those are the type of, of, uh, of questions that those guys are, are bonus comped on. So we can alleviate a lot of that, right? Where there's not a chance, like, there's no reason to push product. Um, and, and to that point, the, the, the results on our, our surveys last year, which had, golly, tens of thousands of responses, uh, the, it was 98.56% of employees would hire the benefit counselor that they met with. So I don't know if you would hire nine out of the last 10 customer service folks you met with on the phone. Uh, but I would say that, that that's something that I'm really, really, really proud of. Well, okay then. That's awesome. Well, and I think you, you, uh, the, the best answer to all of that was your enrollers are salary. You know, they're not coming yeah. in being like, they're not having a huddle beforehand. It's like, all right, cool guys, we got to sell a uh, hundred, uh, supplemental D, uh, DI policies today or some, something along those lines. Um, which, I mean, which is a reality in in industry and a lot of folks have had bad experiences off of that. And you know, it, it, it is what it is. There's a, when an objection comes up, there's a reason for it. Like the, the, the objection exists because there's a reality attached to it. Um, Zach, this was awesome. We're coming up on time here. Um, I think you did a fantastic job, you know, breaking down the the benefits of, of the service you offer with the light, but what's your, what's your, you know, your parting, parting words, anything you want folks to really get, take away from this conversation. How can they get a hold of you? Give a, give your outro. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the the one thing, if there's anything that I can leave today is and it's unrelated, I think maybe it, it may not be, I might not be the reason or the, or the solution for that. But I think every employer owes it to their employees to make the benefit portion of their communication personal and, and actually engage with their population and take a step back and say, what am I doing and how can I actually engage with them more appropriately? Right. And that could be as simple as is looking at the gener you know the generational demographic breakdowns and say hey we have a larger population in X right but um, I you know how many employers look at their medical people who enrolled in medical and say okay we've got fifty percent of our millennial population or seventy percent of our millennial and Gen Z population enrolled in medical are covering a dependent well they're making decisions drastically different than most yeah. people in that, that age group. Right. And, and I think mo there's a lot of, of organizations, they're just running so fast and so hot. They don't take a second to just step back and figure that out. And I think mm -hmm. that is what I would, would ask and leave is, is take, take an hour and think through what can you, you know, what can you do to better communicate? If you're making changes this year, you know, how can we, and, and there's going to be some disruption. How can I better do that? And then how can I maximize the actual education of our employees? Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to always help with that. I'm always happy to talk through and, and see if we're a great fit for an, if great fit for your organization. Um, you know, I, I can give you my email if you want to put it in the show notes, if that's easier. Um, sure. But it's, it's uh, you know, my first name, Zachary, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y, uh, dot my last name, Slaybaugh, S-L-A-B-A-U-G-H, at alight, spelt A-light, L-I-G-H-T, uh, dot com. I'm always happy to, to have a conversation, but I, I think that our industry, to your point, could do so much better if they just took a second and thought through 
How are employees being educated? How can we better engage with them? And what can we do from an overall capacity to keep them engaged ongoing? Mm, I love it. Well, Zach, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for the, thanks for letting me. Thanks for everybody listening. And uh, we'll pop this up on YouTube and Spotify and Apple podcasts and uh, everywhere else you can, you can listen to podcasts and hopefully you got something out of it. And until next time.